Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your host, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome into a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind here, solo edition of the show. This evening, coming to you a few hours after this Nuggets loss, they fall in San Antonio, 111 to 103. Got a lot of thoughts on this game. A lot of notes on Nicole Jokic's night, what the Spurs and Greg Popovich did to slow him down and slow the Nuggets down when they needed to. Also, some notes on Wancho and Mason Plumley, who both stood out to me tonight. First, though, I want to remind you guys, if you got questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394 is the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. That's 1-800-BSN-8394. Didn't see any of you guys calling in after a loss tonight. Definitely seem to get more calls after wins uh, rather than losses, but keep calling in. I love to hear from you guys. Love to get your questions on the show. Also, if you got a minute, I'd really appreciate you. If you head on over to iTunes right now, drop us a five-star review. It really does a lot more for the show than you could probably guess. But without further ado, let's get into this game. And like I said, 111-103, the Nuggets fall suddenly. They're on a two-game slide here. They fell to the Clippers the other night and now in San Antonio. I wouldn't panic. I don't think this is anything to get up in arms about. The Clippers are a good playoff caliber team, as are the Spurs, who came into this game winning seven of their last 10 or seven of their last nine, I believe. Over the last 10 games, they've been the top offense in the league. They've been the fourth best defense in the league. They've had the best net rating in the league, pretty much the best point differential per 100 possessions in the league by quite a bit margin over this recent 10-game stretch. So this is a quality opponent. And this is a place in San Antonio where the Nuggets have had a lot of trouble over the years. They came into tonight with an 11-game losing streak in San Antonio against the Spurs. That, of course, was pushed to 12. They haven't won in something like five years in San Antonio. Ty Lawson was still the point guard last time. 
Denver won against the Spurs on the road. Richard Jefferson played like 28 minutes in that game in the last Nuggets win in San Antonio. Kawhi Leonard was still coming off the Spurs bench the last time the Nuggets won a road game in San Antonio. So this is a place Nuggets have had a lot of trouble over the years. But tonight, they were honestly in position to win this game through three quarters, and kind of the wheels came off in the fourth, and then uh, Denver's reserves made it really interesting down the stretch. Hats off to those guys because it's tough to come into a game in garbage time when you're sitting on the bench for the whole game. But that five-man group at the end, Malik Beasley, who's certainly not afraid to get up shots in garbage time, I applaud him for it. I would do the same. Brandon Goodwin, Thomas Wells, Tyler Lydon, and Torrey Craig were at least able to make the Spurs sweat a little bit down the stretch. But the story of tonight is probably what the Spurs were able to do to Nikola Jokic. And Jokic finishes the game with just four points, four rebounds. He did have 10 assists, five turnovers. He was a minus nine overall in 31 minutes. He was one of five from the field. Upon further review of the film, though, he was really only one of four. They counted a field goal attempt for Jokic in the first quarter. What they marked down as his first field goal attempt of the game came with the 949 mark, if you want to go back and look at it for yourself. But he was clearly attempting a pass, and the ball kind of got deflected, and it, I guess, looked like for a second. It probably looked like live that he was trying to shoot it, but it was definitely a pass. So I've got Jokic down for one of four, and... Obviously, when you see a stat line of one of four next to Nikola Jokic's name on the box score, what do you think of when he has so few attempts from the field? You think back to that game in Memphis, right? Where he was 0 of 1, he didn't shoot until the end of the game when Denver pretty much just gave him the ball on the final possession of regulation for the game winner. The difference was in that Memphis game and the four field goals he attempted tonight, or five if you want to go by the official count, are the fewest he's attempted since that game. The difference, though, was that game Jokic barely looked at the basket. Now That game, you know, Nicole Jokic did not want to shoot the ball from the field for whatever reason you want to put on it. This game was different. Jokic was much more aggressive tonight than he was in that game against Memphis. If he was a one in that game against Memphis, I'd say he was a seven or eight tonight against the Spurs. He looked to score a lot. The Nuggets looked to get him the ball in the post uh, really throughout most of the first three quarters of this game. He got the ball in the post a ton. The difference was San Antonio came with a very aggressive defensive game plan tonight. It definitely looked like Greg Popovich schemed really hard for this one. And I mean, he's one of the best in the business. So it's no surprise he came up with a good little blueprint here to stop Jokic and the Nuggets. And it worked. Uh, So Jokic only attempted five or four field goals, depending on how you want to look at it. Did not attempt a field goal in the five fourth quarter minutes he played. But it's not like the Nuggets didn't put him in a position or Jokic didn't put himself in a position to be successful. Like I said, the Spurs just sent double teams and sometimes triple teams at him in waves. I just tweeted one out here a few minutes before I started recording from my Twitter account. A picture from a time where Jokic posted up in the second quarter. There's 9.53 on the clock. 
He's got four guys within six inches of him in the middle of the paint. Derek White's the only Spurs defender standing outside the paint. This is a quadruple team on Nicole Jokic, and that possession actually ended in a Monte Morris three. Uh, so he was getting bombarded with double and triple teams. I actually went back through the game here and charted every offensive possession where Nicole Jokic got it on the block or on the elbow or on the wing and put the ball on the floor and executed what I'll call a basketball move, like they have in football, a football move. I'll call it a basketball move. And I'll just call those post-ups. Usually, you know, his back is to the basket. It looks like a classic post-up, but it can take place from a lot of different areas on the floor. I charted 16 post-ups for Nikola Jokic tonight. I'll be curious to see what synergy comes up with when those stats get uploaded tomorrow. So I've got 16 post-ups for him tonight. On 14 of them, I saw the Spurs bring help, whether that was a double team, a triple team, somebody really digging down hard from the wing and forcing Jokic to pass the ball out to the perimeter. I counted 14 of those on his 16 post-up attempts. So the Spurs pretty much bring help, bring a double team, bring somebody to disrupt Jokic pretty much every time he got the ball on the block tonight. On six of those post-ups, the Nuggets got points out of that possession, whether it was a three-pointer or a jumper or free throws. One of those post-ups resulted in free throws for Nicole Jokic. So all in all, this was a really great game plan by Greg Popovich. His thinking is, I'm not going to let Nicole Jokic beat me. I'm going to let the Nuggets shooters beat me. And you know, he's probably looking at this roster and seeing how they're without three capable three-point shooters this year and Paul Millsap and Gary Harris and Will Barton, the three stars that they've been missing for quite a bit now. And he looks at the guys filling in like a Tory Craig and a Jamal Murray who's shooting below 30% from three, as is Craig, and a Trey Lyles who's also below 30% from three. And Malik Beasley, who's really solid but can be inconsistent, and another young guy in Monte Morris, and probably looks at those guys and says, all right, I'm going to let them beat me. I'm not going to let Nicole Jokic beat me, this guy who has beaten me many times before and worked over my bigs down low. I'm going to let these other guys beat me. And credit to the Spurs. They stuck with this game plan despite Denver hitting 10-20 from three in the first half. They were able to close down Wancho who hit 4-4 from three in the first half. He finished the game 6-7, of seven, uh, so he was 2-3 from three over the third and fourth quarters. And look, they just really let the other guys beat them. Monte Morris was 3-5. of five. You know, He continues to shoot really well from three this year, but nobody else really hurt the Spurs. Torrey Craig was 2-3. He had a good night from beyond the arc, but Greg Popovich was going to let him shoot as many open threes as he possibly could. He was not worried about Torrey Craig shooting tonight. Jamal Murray was one of eight from beyond the arc. He really struggled not only just from three, but really in all facets of his game. Just two assists for Jamal Murray tonight. 4-19 from the field was one of six from mid-range, if I'm remembering offhand. Missed a bunch around the hoop, too. Not a pretty night from him. Trey Lyles, like I said, 0 of three from distance. After two encouraging games, he did not look good tonight. And then Malik Beasley goes 4-12. He had a couple of those late in the game in garbage time, and he kind of struggled in the first half. He was 0-4 from three. 
over the first two quarters. So the Spurs had a very defined game plan coming into this game. They executed it really well, just like you would expect Greg Popovich's guys to do. And they really doubled off everybody. It wasn't just them leaving a Torrey Craig or a Trey Lyles. They were willing to leave Craig, Murray, Lyles, Beasley, even Wancho at times. They were willing to let the Nuggets beat them from three uh, rather than letting Nikola Jokic beat them. And give the Spurs a lot of credit for sticking with this game plan. I mean, like I said, the Nuggets hit 10 threes in the first half. They were 10 of 20. They were on fire from beyond the arc. They're only down two at halftime. Then in the third quarter, things kind of begin to shift. The Nuggets go two of eight from three, but still they play the Spurs to a 22-22 all draw in the third quarter. Then things really separate in that 15-0 run in the fourth, and that's kind of when things got away from Denver. Back to Nikola Jokic. I feel like he played the double teams fairly well. He got the ball out of there often. Not a ton of his turnovers came off of those double teams. There's only one, I believe, that came directly off of like somebody doubling down and Jokic not seeing that guy coming. And uh, that was Derek White who was able to do that in the fourth quarter, one of Jokic's final offensive possessions. But most of his other turnovers just came from errant passes, him trying to force the issue maybe a little too much. So we really felt like Jokic kind of did what he could. He was distributing the ball. He was really trying to attack, like I just laid out in those numbers, the 16 post-ups that he kind of initiated. He was going for it. The Spurs defense just didn't really let him get off any clean looks. He had just what I counted four field goal attempts. His first field goal attempt, 10:47 left in the second quarter. He had this layup attempt off an offensive rebound on the baseline. I really thought he got fouled on that, didn't get the call, and then he took that frustration foul and transition a few moments later. He also had that three-pointer late in the second quarter from straight away, I believe. He sunk that. Midway through the third, he probably had the best look of his night. He drove the lane. It was really one of the few looks that he got against single coverage. He drove all the way from the top of the key down to the block, missed a nine-foot hook that he typically makes and then like I said earlier did not attempt a field goal in the five fourth quarter minutes that he played I thought it was really odd where Jokic got pulled tonight San Antonio gets a transition bucket and that was one of the things Michael Malone really pointed out after the game as just a thorn in his side 15 fast break points for the Spurs and they get this layup with around seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and it's like a two-on-one or two-on-two for the Spurs. Jokic actually gets sealed by Jakob Pertl on the baseline. Derek White's able to go in for an uncontested layup. Jokic doesn't really get over there. He's not able to get through Pertl. He doesn't contest anything at the rim. Mike Malone, pretty pissed about that. He subs Jokic out, and that was the end of Nikola's night. So it's not like he got pulled off of one of his five turnovers or anything, or maybe that contributed to it, but it certainly wasn't the play that seemed to initiate a Malone timeout and initiate the sub because Malone called for Mason Plumley to come off the bench right after Jokic gives up that bucket, and Derek White gets that score. You could probably also assign some blame to Torrey Craig on that play. 
Derek White goes right by Torrey Craig, who's the closest defender to him on the perimeter. And Jokic maybe could have pushed a little harder to get through Jakob Pertl there, but I'm not going to sit here and say that play was entirely Jokic's fault. And he was the one guy who Mike Malone subbed off there. Maybe it was a couple things brewing from that, but that seemed to be the final straw there. So, yeah, that was the end of Jokic's night. Did not play any more fourth quarter minutes after that. Uh, The Nuggets were down 11 at this point. And so the game was still, I guess, in hand. Still 7-13 on the clock, over seven minutes remaining. But things were definitely going in San Antonio's way here, that's for sure. Let me go ahead and hit a break real quick. Got more thoughts on Jokic's night and the game. I'll get into those on the other side. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spano's here and he's gonna tell us a little bit about it. Yeah guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. (laughs) If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego Harrison Wind here late on a Wednesday night after the Nuggets fall in San Antonio, 111-103. They've now lost 12 straight games in San Antonio to the Spurs. A pretty unbelievable statistic there. Here's the last thing I'll say about Jokic's night. Like I mentioned a few moments earlier, I didn't feel like he was lacking aggressiveness tonight or or didn't look for his offense because he had a lot of post-ups. He attacked a lot, but the Spurs were just bringing a lot of help, a lot of double teams. I didn't like his body language, though, as the third and fourth quarters kind of went on, seemed to kind of get a little removed from the offense like he's done from time to time. And I'm sure that was part of the Spurs game plan as well. If you take away Nikola Jokic's field goal attempts, you know, he's got a knack to drift further and further out away from the paint towards the top of the key around the three-point line and really distribute from there. And obviously, because of the way the Spurs played him in the first half, they would much rather him be floating around the three-point line and trying to pass and play make from there than be on the block, single, or even double covered. So the Spurs were really able to get him to do what they wanted late, especially in the third quarter and then into the fourth as well. But like I said, in the first half, the Jokic I thought was pretty aggressive. It was not how he had played when you think back to that 0-for-1 game against Memphis, and I got a lot of questions about that. I'm sure that's what everybody was thinking because this was the fewest field goal attempts he's had since that night. It's going to be interesting to see how Denver not only rebounds from this, but 
how this game Friday against the Spurs plays out because this is fascinating, right? You've got San Antonio who just came off this win with a very defined game plan about getting the ball out of Nicole Jokic's hands and not letting him beat them. Now, 48 hours later, does Greg Popovich come with the same exact game plan? Does he switch things up? Uh, does he come with something completely different? I'm not sure. I don't really know how Popovich treats this, but it's kind of cool because the Nuggets are kind of playing a mini little playoff series here against the Spurs. Two straight games. You don't really see that a ton in the regular season ever. But yeah, the Nuggets and Spurs play again here in 48 hours Friday here at Pepsi Center. I'm fascinated to see what Popovich does if they come out with the same defensive game plan, if Denver has any more counters to it, because that's another thing. It's not even like the Nuggets reacted poorly to what the Spurs did. They got a ton of open threes. The Spurs were just leaving open guys who have not hit threes at a good rate this year, like Torrey Craig, even though he hit two of them. They were leaving open Jamal Murray, who's had a ton of struggles from beyond the arc this year. They were leaving open Trey Lyles. Uh, So Denver got open shots. Jokic got the ball out to the three-point line. They swung the ball. They moved the ball quickly. uh, But the Nuggets just couldn't make shots. I mean, Jamal Murray right now, hat tip to Adam Mares for texting me this during the game. He's shooting worse from three-point range than Markel Fultz right now in the year. And it's just .1 of a difference in their three-point shooting percentages, but still, he's shooting worse from three-point range than Markel Fultz is this year. Pretty crazy. Some more notes on Jamal Murray's night. Wasn't a huge fan of his shot selection this evening. A lot of mid-range stuff. San Antonio kind of let him get into the lane, or he was able to get into the lane, and put up a lot of those mid-range jumpers that Jamal Murray likes to take, and he hits those a lot. I do give him credit. He hits those a lot more than you think he does, but definitely did not hit him tonight and just did not seem to have a feel for that shot. He shot 2-9 and nine in the first quarter. After that, was just trying to dig and dig and dig himself out of a hole. And now we're 33 games into the season where – well past the third way mark of the year, well past the quarter pole of the season. And Jamal Murray shot it terribly from three-point range. There's no way around it right now. He's under 30% from three. He's, I believe, around 42% from three. Both of those huge drop-offs from what he did last year. And I think it's fair to raise some questions about what's going on right now. He's obviously in a big slump. He's been banged up a lot this year leg contusions, ankle injuries, but he seems fairly healthy right now, at least from what I can tell. He's still battling through some bumps and bruises probably like a lot of guys do throughout the league, but he should be shooting the ball better than this. He's getting open looks like Michael Malone said on the postgame broadcast and like I stressed a couple minutes ago, Nuggets got open looks and Jamal Murray got his fair share Everything was short, it seemed, from Jamal Murray, and that's another thing Michael Mullen addressed on the post game. So maybe that's a sign of fatigue. I don't know. The Nuggets have had some off days here as of late. Or maybe it's the injuries that are still getting to him. He shot 37% from three last year, and I'm still in the camp that he's not a below 30% three-point shooter, obviously. I think he's somewhere probably between the 35 and a 37 mark he hit last year, uh, 
But if he's not able to get up to that 35 mark or even that 34 mark, that's going to hurt this Nuggets team for sure. Jamal Murray, he can be a really special player in this league, but he's got to be making at least 36, 37% of his threes to be that type of player. And that's also where he really gets going. Jamal Murray has a different type of swagger, a different type of confidence when he's hitting from three. He's always got the confidence to keep shooting, but it's just a different kind of feel to his game, a different type of belief he has when he sees that ball go through the rim. So it was not a good night for him. The only really good night that any other Nuggets starter had was Juancho Hernan Gomez. He tied his career high with 27 points, 13 rebounds. Was probably the Nuggets' best player tonight. 8 of 13 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3. And I don't have a ton to say about Wancho because, I mean, it's fairly obvious. The guy plays so hard. He was in constant motion tonight. Nikola Jokic hit him on a bunch of nice cuts at the rim. Had a couple layups, some really nice off-ball plays. The guy plays so hard. The guy plays with such a great spirit. He's so fun to watch. You love to see him out there and playing well. Torrey Craig, he matched up on... DeMar DeRozan for pretty much this entire game. DeRozan had a nice night, 30 points, 9 of 17 from the field. Really got to the line a ton, 11 of 14 from the line. He also had seven rebounds, five assists. He was a plus 15 overall tied for the best mark on the Spurs with Jakob Pertl, who was a plus 15 in 19 minutes. The two threes Craig hit were nice, but, I mean, they were wide open, and, you know, Pop was fine with Torrey Craig taking wide open threes, but good for him for hitting threes. He's... Been much better on the offensive end as of late, that's for sure. And then the Nuggets' final starter, Mason Plumlee. Plumlee was solid tonight. 29 minutes, 3 or 5 from the field, 6 rebounds, a block, couple steals, 7 points. The only thing I could just keep thinking about tonight was just there's a lot of Mason Plumlee going on. (laughs) There's a lot of Mason Plumlee going on. And I'm not knocking him because he's been amazing this year. He's been, I think, the Nuggets' second-best defender with the amount of time that Gary Harris has missed here as of late. He's been really solid. He's played within himself, but I just kept saying to myself tonight, there's a lot of Mason Plumlee going on. What have I said on this podcast over the last couple weeks? Plumlee has given the Nuggets 18 to 19 A-plus minutes throughout the whole year, right? It's about how many minutes he averages on a nightly basis, 18 or 19. And he's playing at an elite level for those 18 to 19 minutes. But when he gets up in the 29, the 30, the 31 minutes, he can't always stay at that A-plus level. So that's the difference here. The Nuggets are asking a ton from him. still feel like he's giving a great effort. He's still playing about as well as the Nuggets could ask him to. But when he's not only playing his 18 or 19 per game, it's going to be tough for him to play at the A-plus level that he typically does in a more limited role. And the Nuggets have needed more minutes from him as of late because most of the season, Trey Lyles has just not been there for whatever reason. I mean, the guy looks like a different player this year than he did last year. Was not too impressed with his play on either end of the floor tonight. On the year now, his shooting percentages just look awful. And we've talked about how bad Murray has shot the ball this year. Man, Trey Lyles has probably shot it worse comparatively than Murray. Lyles is down to 42% from the field after shooting 49% from the field last year. He is shooting more per game, but not much. About one field goal attempt per game more. 
from three, he's down to 25% after shooting 38% from three last year. And his attempts are kind of around the same. He's shooting half a three more per game this year. And it's discouraging because Lyle's had a couple really solid outings over these last two games, I thought. Five of seven from the field against Dallas, 16 points, three rebounds, three of four from three. And then he goes against the Clippers in 18 minutes, only one of three from three-point range. But he had a block. He was five of eight. So tonight was definitely a step back from him. And I've got to wonder now what direction the Nuggets go with their rotation against the Spurs here on Friday in their next matchup. I've got some ideas. But first, I've got to tell you about our friends over at Total Beverage. Right now, they're still offering their holiday deal on their website and app. You can save $10 off a $50 purchase if you use the promo code BSN10. Again, on a $50 purchase, you can get $10 off if you use the Total Beverage app or website with promo code BSN10. And even better, you can have it delivered right to your door for all your holiday parties if you still need to have them. I think some people still have theirs after Christmas, after New Year's and whatnot. You can still use Total Beverage for that. All your wine, beer, liquor, spirits. Make sure you download the Total Beverage app. And again, use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off that purchase of $50 or more. Make sure to check them out at Total Beverage on their website and definitely check them out on their app. So the only guy I didn't really address there that played significant minutes, well, I guess two, Monte Morris. Thought he was solid. Not spectacular, just like most of these Nuggets guys. He was a minus four. You typically never see Monte in the minuses, but he played a ton with the starters as the Nuggets try to just piece together lamps, piece together rotations, whichever way they can right now. 29 minutes from Morris, 6 of 16 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 assists, 2 turnovers. A lot of turnovers for Monte tonight. I think he got credited with one or two, maybe both of them, that he probably should not have gotten credited for. Definitely one of them was not his fault. Three steals for Monte. I really loved how he got after it on the defensive end of the floor. Really pressured San Antonio's guards 94 feet like he did going back to Summer League in the preseason, like he's done from time to time. But I really liked the defensive intensity he had tonight. Malik Beasley thought he did some good things. Thought he did some good things for sure. Didn't really score efficiently. Was 8-19 from the field, 4-12 from three. And a lot of those makes came, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, in garbage time, which, hey, man, I applaud you for. If you're out there... Run up your stats. Run up your numbers for sure. If nobody's really playing defense and you're out there with a bunch of scrubs, go for it. Put the ball in the hole because all those stats still count. It's not like they don't count those stats at the end of the game. Seven rebounds, two from Malik, so he was able to fill up the stat sheet. 22 points on the Knights. I mean, second highest total next to Wancho, and 15 of those came in the fourth quarter. All right, last couple of things I'll say before I go here. Man, dude, Nuggets really need to get some guys back. They need Will Barton back. They need Gary Harris back. Paul Millsap would be nice, too. Seems like Barton and Harris are the closest to coming back, but also doesn't seem like Paul Millsap is far behind. January 1st has always been the date I've looked at here as a nice goal for maybe Barton to get back by that date. Maybe Harris is back, too. Maybe Millsap as well. But that should be, I think, a date where a lot of things start to come together again for Denver. Maybe sooner, though. I wouldn't rule it out if one of those guys can play or two of those guys can play maybe against Phoenix in that game or maybe even Friday against San Antonio. I don't think that's 
as likely, but as we've seen before, like when Paul Millsap missed 44 games and then was all of a sudden good to go against the Clippers last year, sometimes these things come out of nowhere. So we'll see. If I had to guess, though, I'd say none of those guys play Friday. Maybe in that Phoenix game, but I'd feel a little more comfortable saying January 1st for maybe one of those guys or two of those guys to get back. Again, Denver doesn't need to rush them. They're still in a good spot here, even though the Western Conference is super jumbled. They're still on the top of the conference, and they're still there while missing three starters. So they're in a good spot. The two-game losing streak is tough, but we'll see what they can do Friday. Here's my final thought for Friday's game. Maybe we see the Nuggets go with some more small ball. Maybe they switch up their starting lineup and... If they expect the Spurs to go with a similar defensive strategy and really send doubles and triples at Nikola Jokic from the opening tip, maybe they slide a Wancho Aaron Gomez to the four. Maybe they put Malik Beasley in there to get another shooter on the floor. The Spurs, they start pretty small anyway. They've got Rudy Gay at the four, so it's not a problem for Wancho to match up there. But if the Spurs are going to collapse and collapse on Nikola Jokic and Denver's going to be kicking out the shooters all game like they did here this evening, why wouldn't you just start the game with an extra shooter out there if you know that's the strategy San Antonio is going to come with? That's assuming the Spurs come with the same strategy, which I don't think is a given with Greg Popovich. But if I had to sit here and predict, I'd say it's likely they do something a little similar. So something to think about. We'll see what the Nuggets do, but if the Spurs are going to defend Nikola Jokic in a similar manner to what they did here on Wednesday. I don't think that would be a bad alternative to get Malik Beasley out there in the starting lineup, start the game off with him, and just have another shooter on the floor from the get-go. You know, maybe play Malik Beasley 33-35 minutes in this game on Friday, whereas tonight he got a lot of minutes in the fourth quarter. You know, he played nine minutes in the fourth and was able to finish with 30. But a lot of that was because you know, he was on that unit to end the game where Denver took off most of its starters and was playing a lot of end-to-bench guys. So we'll see if he gets more minutes. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. He's one of the better shooters Nuggets have on this team right now. He's one of the three guys shooting above 40% with Wancho and with Monte. So we'll see what direction the Nuggets go. And with that, thanks for listening, guys. That's all I've got for tonight. Be back with another episode on Thursday. Talk with you then. Hey, BSN Denver listeners, we're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore Tory listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.